Hey everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Broadway Talks, where I sit down with Broadway stars and discuss the magic that is theater. In this episode, I'm joined by Julia Nitel, who has done everything from Beautiful the Carol King musical to Gypsy to Bye Bye Birdie, who even got her start in theater because her parents ran a community theater. Hi, Julia. Hi. How are you? How are you holding up? I am, I'm doing okay hunkered down in New York for what feels like month, you know, 3000 of quarantine, yeah. but yep. happy to be here. Great. How is New York? How is it getting cold there now? Oh yeah. We had our first bitter cold day yesterday, but I, I enjoy oh. it. I think okay. winter is always a little easier when you're surrounded by the magic of New York. So I'll take it. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> So before we get into everything you've done before, you obviously had a theater influence very early on in your life, given that your parents ran a community theater. But how did you choose yourself? Like, when was that moment that you kind of felt like, I want to do this? You know, I get asked that question a lot. And it's always this sort of strange thing to think about, because I don't think I have a a moment in time that I can point to. But I really think that's because... I have always known that I would be in this life. Like my parents were actors, my parents raised me in a community theater. And so it was always just, you know, what we did and being in a show still feels like just an extension of me. And some are harder than others and some are easier than others. But, you know, like getting to do eight shows a week really just feels like home to me. And so I, I don't know if I could pinpoint a moment, but it's always kind of just been been my dream and I'm lucky enough to get to, to do it. Yeah, that sounds really cool. So what was your first experience with theater that you remember? Well, I had two moments that I think happened like around the same year. One is my first memory of seeing theater and it's my, to this day, my still my favorite show, um, Into the Woods. Oh, I love that show. Isn't it the best? Oh, I love the show. I mean, Bernadette Peters is just really on another level. I think I burned through that VHS. Do, do you have VHSs? Have you ever watched something on a videotape? Yeah, I know what a VHS is. Okay, okay. I don't own a VHS. But, well, I had yeah. Into the Woods on a VHS, and I truly watched it so many times that the film broke in the videotape. And my first memory of seeing live theater was my mom was playing Cinderella and my dad was playing the wolf in a community theater production. Yeah. In New Jersey. And they brought me to the final dress rehearsal. I guess they couldn't find a babysitter or whatever. And so I'm sitting in the audience in an empty theater. How old were you? I want to say I was like three, two or three. That's pretty yeah, that's that, yeah, that's really young. Yeah, super young, and like definitely too young to see all of Into the Woods like start to finish. So this yeah. was sort of my glimpse into it, and you know how like Cinderella always falls mm-hmm. every time she enters. So my mom keeps entering, and I keep jumping out of my seat and being like, "Mom!" Because <laughs> I'm so- oh, because you thought she fell and got hurt. Yeah, and like I totally didn't understand what it what was happening but it's it's whenever I think about that first influential moment as far as theater goes I'm like oh my god 
that's the first time I remember seeing anything. And then in that same year, because I wasn't in, um, I guess I wasn't in preschool yet, or I wasn't in like full school yet. My parents were doing a professional production of Showboat and they needed a young Kim Ravnell who could do the matinees. And mm -hmm. so she, I think she's supposed to be like seven years old, but I'm very tall. So they cast me as a three-year-old in this seven-year-old character. And I like yeah. did this professional show and um, like, I don't know how many shows it was a week, but I got to play um, my dad's daughter in the show. And he had to walk out with me for this scene. I don't really know the show very well. And it, I did it at such a young age that I don't remember anything. And I'm sure yeah, I didn't yeah. have any like given circumstances for my acting yeah. choices. But um, I fell asleep once backstage and my dad like could not wake me. And they were like shaking me and trying to get me to come out and just do this last scene. Like, please, please. I think I pulled it together. But yeah, to this day, I'm not, I mean, I'm not easy to rouse. <laughs> yeah, I, I can kind of, I mean, I'm a very, I wouldn't say like I'm a light sleeper, but on one end, my dad is the lightest sleeper in the world. Like you tiptoe into the room and he'll hear like your feet like ruffling together and he'll wake up. <laughs> and my mom, on the other hand, a tank could be going across the street and she wouldn't wake up. That's more of so I, I know, I know both ends <laughs> of the spectrum. And my brother just falls asleep wherever he can. So. Dreams. Yeah. Yeah. So you, speaking of being a performer at a young age, you made your Broadway debut at 16 years old mm -hmm. in Bye Bye Birdie. So what was that like? Yeah, that was sort of an accident when I, when I really think about it. Um, I wasn't <laughs> professionally acting. I was doing, you know, just community theater and, you know, was in school and was doing my high school shows. And I remember somebody got a fax. Like, I think my high school director got a fax and was like, oh, look, this is happening. There's an open call for this Broadway show. And I remember like vaguely, there was some sort of connection to a producer who knew the guy who knew the, it was just like this weird thing. Like it got sent my way pretty much by accident. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, do you, dad, mom, do you think I could go to this audition? And I fully expected them to say no. And they said, yes. So we got up at, 3.30 in the morning and drove into Manhattan and stood on a line from 5 a.m. to 10 a.m. And my dad got me street pancakes, <laughs> like a cardboard <laughs> container. Yeah. And we, well, I think we were wrapped like three times around the block on 45th Street. It was like this huge turnout. And so they decided to type us. And we all went in like 10 or 20 at a time and they typed us in and out. And I just kept thinking like, how sad it must be to wait in line since five in the morning and not even get to sing and not even get to. Uh, just for anyone who's listening and doesn't know what typing is, it's just when you go into an audition before you sing or dance, they just want to see whether you look the part or not. And if there's too many people, they'll send the people who they don't see as a part home. Yeah. And that's even harder for an ensemble because like, oh yeah, you're looking for all different shapes and sizes and colors and types. And so it really was like kind of a, a tough blow, I think. And I was, I was lucky enough to get typed in and they were like, can you come back at five o'clock? And it's 10 in the morning. And my dad and I are like, let's go home and go to sleep. And so we drove yeah. back to New Jersey and then came back in for my, you know, quasi appointment at 5 PM. Mm -hmm. 
And kind of the rest is history. I ended up having like nine callbacks and each time kind of coming in for a new, a bigger group of people behind the table. And it ended up, you know, working out. And I got to the final callback and got the offer and left high school, what I thought was temporarily. And then um, did my first Broadway show at 16. And it was like truly a wild experience because I kind of got thrown what I didn't know at the time, but now looking back on it, can see were tools that were going to help me for the rest of my career. So I understudied for Ursula Merkel. I dance captained the show. I, you know, actually was working, I was doing the debut show in the Stephen Sondheim Theater, which is now called, or no, it was called the Henry Miller's Theater. Now is the Stephen Sondheim Theater. And I ended up doing Beautiful there a few years later. So I was making relationships with the house managers and the, who happened to Oh, be it was the same theater? Yeah, isn't that cool? That, that is so cool. Cause you made your Broadway debut in one, te- in one show in one theater. And then six years later, you made your Broadway principal debut in the exact same theater, I which did. is yeah. very cool. That's very cool. Yeah, it's the only- And it's like it came full circle almost. It's one of those things. It really is. And because, um, the theater is owned by the roundabout. So they often staff the same people. Like every other Broadway house, you just kind of rent and like you bring in your own people and every show is different. But because roundabout owns this theater, they have like relationships with people. And so a lot of the crew guys were the same six years later. Um, The stage management team was the same. So when I got the call that I was doing beautiful on Broadway, I got to like go pick up my script at the theater that I made my Broadway debut from and from the stage manager who I worked on my first Broadway show with. So it was like a really cool, full circle, magical, magical moment. Mm -hmm. And so what, you were 22 when you made, when you debuted um, in Carol King? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, even that, like, obviously 16 is really young, but a lot of people who want to pursue this career graduate college at that age and you were already making your, you know, Broadway debut. So were you like some of the youngest people in your cast or like what was kind of your experience being so young and making a principal debut on Broadway? Yeah. I mean, I, I was definitely the youngest in um, Beautiful. And I, you know, I look back on it now and I kind of can't believe they let me play Carol when I was that young. <laughs> like, I, I still feel like I don't have the gravitas to play that role. And, and I was very fortunate that they trusted me with it and that I was able to grow in that role so significantly. And like you said, you know, my timeline has been sort of different. I did go to two years of college and got um, started on a BFA in acting and ended up sort of leaving temporarily to do a play out of town. Um, and then while I was out of town, got the auditions for Beautiful and it all just sort of you know, happened very quickly and I wasn't able to go back. But it is fascinating to be the youngest person in a building and also have you know, occasionally, because I just understudied on Broadway, but to occasionally have the entire show on your shoulders with the, with a show like Beautiful, it really is like just, you know, a very 
steep mountain to climb every night and mm -hmm. it is joyous and incredible and i would you know give anything to do that show again but it's one of those things that you kind of can't think about when you're in it and so i don't even think i i really began to reflect on my experience with beautiful until two and a half years later when i had finished my bra or yeah maybe a little longer years. I'd finished my run on Broadway. I had spent a year touring the country as Carol and then um, came back and got to revisit a couple times. There was, I'll tell you my favorite beautiful story. Yeah, tell me, tell me. It's a family. Like it really is. And because it's so hard to cast and you know, you have to find in at any given moment, there have to be three people in the building who can play Carol King. And, oh, really? Yeah, because, you know, there's the woman who's doing it eight shows a week, her understudy, yeah. and then another understudy. And oh, so, they have two understudies for her in, in that show. Yeah, because it's so hard. And, you know, yeah. it's like, you just got to... It's a very demanding yeah. role. And the show can't go on without her. It's not like you can yeah. <laughs> throw, you know, something else in there. But so it's... I mean, the show is called Carol King. Yeah. The musical, it's, so. it's in the title. Okay, kind of has to be in the show. <laughs> yeah. Um, so at any given moment, there have to be three people who can play this role. And they were so lucky that they were able to find those talented women. And all the women I worked with on that show were absolutely brilliant. And I got a phone call after I'd left the tour. I was in rehearsals for a new off-Broadway musical. And I got a phone call saying, we need you to come be at the theater for a month you're not going to go on for anything you just need to sit in the theater because something somebody was out and there was they were low on coverage so they were like just come sit i think it started as a week and so i sat in the theater for a week and didn't go on and then they were like can you stay for a month and i'm in rehearsals so i'm doing eight rehearsals like 10 to 6 and then going to the theater for a seven o'clock show so it was big heavy days and yeah. eventually i like i think somebody wasn't feeling well and I like checked in with stage management and was like, Hey, I'm not going on for Carol tonight. Right. Like just making sure everybody's in, everybody's good. And they're like, yeah, absolutely. You're not going on. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to a Bikram class. It's an hour and a half. I've got between shows. I'm going to get a little yoga in. I come out of the Bikram class literally soaking wet because it's 102 degrees in the yoga class. Yeah. And I have like nine missed phone calls. I'm going on for Carol that night. Oh no. In 45 minutes. Truly oh, like my God. I have 15 minutes yeah, to get that's... to the theater and then it's half hour. And then how long had it been since you played that role like properly last? This was January and I had closed the show in, I wanna say June or July. So that's a good six, seven months yeah. that you hadn't even touched the character. So oh yeah, that must've been stressful to like that, along with hair and makeup and yeah. everything else. I think I cried on my way to the theater. I got a good cry in and was like, this is going to be fine. You know this role. It's in your bones. But there's like a couple blocking things that are different in the Broadway company versus the tour company. And right. although I knew the Broadway track first, I did it way longer and way more frequently on the road. So we were like standing on the stage until I think until the house opened, trying to get through all of these blocking things. My hair is wet. I'm in like yoga pants. And, you know, finally I just 
we were just like, we can do this. We can do this. And everybody kind of rallied behind me and I got through the show and then ended up going on like for five or six shows in a row. So oh, okay. it was, I had a chance to resettle into it, but yeah, truly wild. And I will never, ever. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and being so young, you know, 16 on Broadway, then 22 on Broadway and everything, voices are still changing. Like your voice is still developing. Mm. And to do such demanding roles so often at such a young age, how did you keep your voice healthy and strong throughout those three years? That is such a great question. And, and, and going. Yeah. Um, I, I think of myself as an actor or singer. Um, and so like, I am well aware that there are like magnificent vocalists who can sing, you know, like singing is their thing. And I always kind mm -hmm. of feel like I, I never as, um, I don't want to say confident cause I do have confidence cause that's part of, you have to, but, um, I always kind of feel like a little, like I want to lead with my scene in an audition, you know, and then sing the music. And so I was very overwhelmed by the amount that Carol sings, especially with, that's such a good point with your voice still developing and still changing. Um, and so I went in to playing at eight shows a week by like just being a nun, by trying to, you know, drink as much water as I possibly could. I steamed for 20 minutes before every show. I, you know, was really careful about the things I put into my body. I made sure I always did a huge, like loving vocal warm up and cool down. Um, I was with, it's funny cause now that I'm, I'm touring in a different show now and it's a completely different experience with, Ooh, yeah. with beautiful, I had to make a lot of difficult choices. I had to say, I can't go out after the show. Um, not only can I not go out and have, you know, alcohol and like greasy food and all of these things that I, that I would love to do with my cast, I have to go home and I have to give myself a vocal massage and take a big long shower and steam and go to bed early and get, you know, eight or nine hours because tomorrow is the start of a five show weekend. So like, I really had to make sacrifices for that character and for that role that um, I'm, I, I'm sure I'll have to make again for another role because, you know, that's how it goes. You just, they, the one, you, you do what the role requires of you. But um, mm -hmm. for Beautiful, it was truly, it was a lot of careful planning and taking incredible care of my body. Mm -hmm. And that's so important you know regardless of your age or vocal like development i put that in quotes because that's a weird sense <laughs> to say but um but like it's always important to like your health comes before everything else because you can't not perform mm. you know like that's like you have to do it and you have to do it well because if you have a sore throat and you say no i'll just push through that could lead to something much worse and maybe you won't be able to like perform ever again so it's like like it's so important like you said to be able to make those decisions properly that's, and and maturely yeah that is such a good point and i think there's like a there's a certain pride that comes with never calling out 
And I respect those people, but I do not come from that school of thought because first of all, you don't want to get the people around you sick. So if you do have a sore throat, especially now in this, you know, world we're living in right now, we're all realizing how quickly something can spread. So I always try to keep in mind that like nine times out of 10, you're kissing people and you're touching people and you're, you're sharing a very tight space with people. So you want to be Mm -hmm. careful that you don't get everybody sick and, you know, take care of yourself, drink all that water, get the sleep, do what you need. But if at the end of the day, you still don't feel well, sometimes your body's telling you, don't do the show tonight, go home and go to sleep. So I try to listen to that too. Yeah. And okay, so this is a bit of like an unrelated question, but you said that you steamed every night. Mm -hmm. And a big question that goes on in like the vocalist, like, community, I can say, is which do you prefer, a steamer or a nebulizer? Because they both kind of do similar things, but I think it's just the way that it works. So how have you as a performer felt either one works better and why? I haven't used a nebulizer myself, but I have a couple of castmates I know who swear by them. And for me, I was so, I just love the steamer because it feels like I could do other things while I did them. And I think a lot of the nebulizers I've seen you like hook them onto your face in a way. <laughs> and so I liked the freedom of like, I'm doing my vocal warm up. I can take a, take a breath of the steam, keep warming up, take a sip of water, put on my mascara, like whatever it was, it sort of felt like a part of my warm up. And so it was less like, this is the thing I think was better for my voice. And this was the thing that kind of mm-hmm. just fit better with my half hour routine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I know that there's not like a, like a life-changing difference between either one. It's just more about preference. Yeah. So, yeah. And so you've gone on two tours. One is Carol King, and you are currently starring as Janice in the North American tour of Come From Away, which is also very exciting. Yeah. And so being on two tours that are so different in terms of, like, the show, what have you learned about your experiences versus performing in, like, a set location? I love touring. I love travel. I love exploring new cities that I, you know, maybe wouldn't have been to had I not been touring through there. And so like, Mm -hmm. that's really like, the dream is, yes, we want to do eight shows a week on Broadway. Yes, we want to be home in our apartments with our partners and our pets. But one of my favorite things about being an actor is when you get to travel with work. So like, whether it's doing a play in Denver or, Maine or doing a tour for a set amount of time throughout the country. I truly, I take those opportunities whenever I can, because I love to travel. But um, I, the difference between touring with Beautiful and touring with Come From Away is truly night and day. Um, And I'd say that's because of a lot of different factors, but primarily with Beautiful, like we talked about, the show was just completely on my shoulders. And yes, there are like, you know, an amazing ensemble and you know co-stars and everybody was you know pulling their weight but for me it was very out in front and you gotta just handle it and carry it and do it which is awesome but with come from away i have a full ensemble piece an ensemble of actors who all you know take turns sharing the weight and we all kind of carry it together. And so it really feels, not that I went from 
beautiful and right into comfortable way. I had several regional jobs and a couple yeah, of Broadway yeah. things, but this really feels like medicine to my soul comfortable way. I am just so in love with the show, in love with the message, in love with my role. I love Janice and I miss her right now because it's been far too long since we've been able to tour yeah. in the States. But um, I, I truly believe that like the show that comes into your life, I know this is going to sound hippy dippy, but the show that comes into your life at the right time, or rather, let me try that again. A show comes into your life when you need it. And I needed to grow with Carol and I needed to learn about myself and what I need and what I am capable of and come from away really feels like this reward life, this, you know, beautiful show that touches people everywhere and that I can be proud of. And that is beautiful music and incredible poignant scenes. And just, it really feels like a reward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and like you said, the shows are so different. So it must be cool to be able to do so many different things and not be set in like, I don't like using the word typecast, but like not always being put into the same type of show. Yeah. I've been very lucky on that front. I get to play very, you know, very, very different characters from Carol King to mm -hmm. Gypsy Rose Lee. I mean, that's about as far as they yeah. can get. <laughs> oh, for sure. 100%. And so if you're a regular listener, you'll know what this next question is. And I like to ask it to all of the people who have toured who I interview, because I think it's just a very important question to know because it ties into so many different things. And it's how do you keep yourself healthy, energetic, and motivated while on tour because of all the changing factors around you, different theater, different city, time zone, like beds even, mm. like how do you keep yourself ready to do a performance like a solid performance in how many however many nights you do in a week on tour because that varies per show yeah that's a great question and i think there are two ways to tour one way is to be stressed out by all those factors to be you know uneasy because you sleep in a different place every week to not have the consistency of a theater that you know like the back of your hand and to have to travel on your days off. Those things are, you know, challenging. But I think the better way to tour is to find joy in all of those things. And I have, because this is my second tour, I really kind of, I feel like I, I know what I need, which is I need to travel alone on my day off. I treat that like my self-care day. I have my Delta Sky Club membership. I sit and I read <laughs> and I love getting on a plane. And I, I find those things on this day off that could be, you know, challenging if you're tired, if you're sick, if whatever. I try to find the joy on that day. And I also really try to find the joy in meeting new people especially, you know, with come from away, everyone around me changes. Whereas in beautiful, I had my team, I had my dresser, I had my hair person, I had my, you know, I, those things were taken care of. And we all traveled together from city to city. And we come from away, we have such a big team that is brand new, fresh every Tuesday night in every new city. So I have a different person handing me my flight attendant jacket and 
we have a different, you know, person helping out with the props on this side. And so we really get to see the country, see the people who live here, see the people who are making theater, professional Broadway caliber theater in cities all over the world and who are amazing at their job. And so oh, yeah. it's really special. And I think you do have to listen to your body and take the nights in that you need or take the days out that you need and just, it takes a minute to calibrate and to find out what it is that you require when you're touring a show. But once you do, be unapologetic and try to live your best life because like, you know, any show, it will close and I guarantee you'll miss it. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I mean, of course, like touring for so long or just being with the family that is theater for so long, it's would be hard to, get away well not get away that's the wrong word more like once a show closes that nightly routine of being together kind of ends as well with it yeah and so with and that kind of leads me to my next question is like performing as much as you know broadway performers do or touring performers do how do you kind of keep time for your social life mm. because your nights are gone you're days off are usually spent resting and you also don't want to do anything during the day to ruin that night's performance. So what do you kind of do to create that work social balance? That's a big challenge because I am a big challenge for me because I am also an introvert. So I have, I'm very much refueled by time alone or time with my husband. And so I find that, um, I have to kind of remind myself to have a social life when I'm working <laughs> because, you know, like I have my friends who I love more than anything and who I need to connect with. And so I will try to, you know, grab some dinner after the show or, you know, it's, it's sort of just finding, prioritizing who and what matters to you and making time for them while also recognizing that during some shows you like during come from away, I can go out to dinner with anybody any night and, you know, get a little less sleep and still be able to do the same level of performance the next day. Whereas with beautiful, I, I had to sacrifice some more. So I think it, it definitely comes with the show, but it is a challenge. It's, you know, it's a big time commitment and your days are spent preparing for your nights and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So it's a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can only imagine exactly what you're saying so this is a question that i think is easier for some people to answer and also a little bit harder but obviously you went on tour as carol king and you also performed in the broadway show prior to going on tour for that show right mm -hmm. yeah and obviously things change from tour to broadway because or broadway to tour just because you can't carry you know 100 pound sets across the country every week so how do you kind of lose, and I put that in quotes, the old habits of Broadway that you're so used to doing to kind of get more familiar and more comfortable with the tour version of the show? Well, I think you'd be surprised by how many pounds of set they do carry. <laughs> like we have, we have a truck on Come From Away that just carries our trees. I don't know if you've seen the show, but like the set is just full of trees. 
And so yeah. they have a whole truck just for trees. So they really do. Trees. Yeah. And so I think there were like, there was one um, set change on beautiful and there are zero set changes on comfortable way. So really truly they do pick up the show and travel it. Mm-hmm. But I'd say the difference, there are so many benefits to doing a show on Broadway and then taking it on the road because you get to meet a whole new cast. You get to meet a whole new crew. You get to learn um, a slightly different version and not because it's, you know, choreographed or directed differently, but like because it's different people and every, you know, theater is only exists in that one moment while you're all sitting there Mm -hmm. together. So every show is different, whether it's on Broadway or the tour, but I'd say... I think when you when you take a show on the road, you lose the stability of I'm waking up in my apartment, I'm going to the same theater, I know it like the back of my hand, my dressing room mm-hmm. has my things in it and you yeah. know, these things are unmovable, they do not change. And then when you're doing it on the road, everything around you changes. So you kind of have to rely on the show to be your constant and to Mm -hmm. be like, well, I know when that drum hits, the show is starting and we all have to lock in because we don't know what the house looks like. We don't know our way around backstage, but we do know that all of us are going to make this theater magic right now. So I don't know. I think they both have sort of, benefits and you know their own little downfalls too but yeah is your process for a preparing for a performance different in tour versus a set location basically yeah um no I think it's the same and I think maybe that's maybe I'm not speaking for everyone but sort of jumping back to what I was just saying like you have to find your consistency because everything around you is changing so like for me it really helps to know that at, you know, my wig call for Come From Away is at five minutes to places. So I have 25 minutes Mm -hmm. to put on my makeup, do my wig prep, get, you know, these things in this order that make me feel dropped in and, you know, taken care of so that I can start the show. So I think like no matter where you're doing a show, you find, or, in what way you're doing a show because whether it's regional Broadway or a tour or, you know, at the Muni where you're outside, yeah, like you're kind of just, you take the time before the show to make yourself feel as dropped in and as ready to be your best self as possible. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of necessary for everyone. Like you said, no matter whether you're on Broadway or tour, so many things are, I don't like to use the word stressful, but like it is stressful, oh, yeah. this type of job. Like it is time consuming. It does take a lot out of you, but you get a lot back in return. Yeah. So with you performing as long as you have been, like you said, three years old, what is your biggest theater fail? And I don't, and this is like, can go from anything. I've had guests say that they falling on their face during a tap dance number <laughs> on stage in a performance all the way to fainting in an audition room. Oh, so it, yeah, so it's really 
those moments that like stick out to you, which now you can laugh about, but at the time you just wanted to crawl up into a ball and roll <laughs> off stage or roll out of the audition room. I try to keep a lot of laughter in my life. So most of the time I'm laughing at those things as they happen. Okay. Okay, well, that, but that's such a good thing. It's so easy to beat yourself up yeah. after doing something wrong. That's such a good thing to be able to laugh at all. It's so true. Um, I, okay, this one is the one that's coming to mind. And I think it's two separate things, but they're in the same moment. So at the end of Beautiful, um, you know, it's been this two-hour climb to the finish. And all I have to do is, like, say goodbye to Jerry Goffin and then go play Carnegie Hall. And it's like truly everyone's ready, set, in the wings for bows. Last moment of the show. And I walk out and I like, there's a spotlight that hits me and I smile and I wave. And then I have to walk the long way across the stage to the grand piano that's ready for me to play Beautiful. And I go out, we're in Seattle. I go out, I smile, and I start to walk to the piano, and I realize there's no piano there. There's just no, no piano. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, wh what am I, what am I going to do? I mean, I ha the whole point is that she's playing this grand piano at Carnegie Hall. I'm like, I guess they, maybe stage management will hand me a handheld mic. Like, maybe I'll just, I've done it for press before where I just stand there and sing it. Like, I can do this. It's fine. And I make eye I lock eyes with our stage manager and he's got six crew guys unhooking the piano from the ground because it's on a track so it can slide yeah. on and off. Unhooking. And I walk, I, I'm standing center stage and I lock eyes with him and he just goes, we're good. And I'm like, okay. So I go, excuse me, everyone. I'll be right back. And the audience starts hysterically laughing because they clearly know something is wrong. And so we, I walk off stage and I'm like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And he, oh, so that's not part of the show. That's not something you said. Oh no. I totally was just like, everyone, I'll be right back. Thank you so much. And walk off stage. <laughs> and then I walk back out with six crew guys who are carrying this grand piano, putting it in its spot. And I like walk out with them and the audience sees all these crew guys who are not in costume. And I yeah. like reference to them. And the audience starts applauding and we all start laughing. And then I sit down at the piano and I look at the audience and I smile. And then we start the song. And it was truly, even though it was this like silly, crazy, stressful moment, mm -hmm. the audience was so into it. They were so happy that they saw this mishap that like we all just had so much joy in this, the last song that it was kind of like, yeah. one, it ended up being one of my favorites. But since we're talking about fails, I will tell you that there was one time where after that song, um, my wig fell into my hands before the lights went off. Oh no. Oh yeah, so like the wigs all go on really fast because everything's a quick change. So there's only two yeah. pins in this wig. And I'm like, and I lift my head up and I put my head down and my wig falls and into my hands and then the lights go out. And so the entire audience saw me like bare wig cap, wig in hand, <laughs> just like, thanks for coming. <laughs> Thank you for coming. We'll see you next time. See you Seattle. Yeah, it was very yeah. funny.
No, I, I can imagine. But I guess that's like the nice thing about theater is that like the people who go are also not like they understand these things happen mm. because it's live and it's normal. Yeah. And I guess, and I guess, it, and it's easier to like get back on track when the audience is like enjoying the moment with you, I guess. I feel like it would be harder if like you, or if something went wrong and the audience is like, sitting there in silence waiting for it to like start i feel like there's so much more like anticipation anticipation and pressure for it to happen absolutely like well and i love what you said about it being nice people like when you go to see a show you recognize that this is live and anything can happen and i almost think that people are excited when they see something go wrong like something out of the ordinary they're like oh this i'm the only person who's seeing this we're the only show this week where Julia's wig fell off, so yeah. <laughs> might as well enjoy yeah. it. I love how you said this week. Yeah. Oh, it'll happen again, probably. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I love how you said, yeah, this week we'll be the only ones instead of we'll be the only ones ever. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be a little different next time, hopefully. It'll be a little different, hopefully, yep. So I know that you actually got to play your dream role, which was Louise in Gypsy at the Muni. So if you don't know what the Muni is, I think it's based in St. Louis. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. And it's an outdoor theater. Um, like there's no roof. There's nothing like that. There's a stage and it's all open. Like it's an open air um, place. Um, and you got to play your dream role there. And so what was it like firstly performing in such a unique location and then what it was like to actually achieve playing your dream. Yeah, I mean, I still think back on that and I get emotional because it truly is like my dream role. And if I never get to play it again, I, I mean, I only got to do it for eight shows because that's how many shows you do at the Muni. But mm-hmm. um, even if I never got to play it again, I could die happy because it was the perfect experience. I mean, the Muni was a dream to begin with, because it's the biggest theater in America, maybe in the world, I think maybe in the world, it's 11,000 seats. So, you know, only eight shows, but 88,000 people saw us do the show. So it's a dream come true. And I got to do it with Beth Level as Mama Rose. So, I mean, can you even find a better Mama Rose? Like you can't. Yeah. And so, and even better, not better. There's nothing better than Beth. But I had been doing um, a letter to Harvey Milk off Broadway. And it was like, the whole show was kind of me and this one guy, his name is Adam Heller. And we became like, you know, best of friends. We love each other so much. And he's um, engaged to Beth Level. And they've been together for many years. And we were sitting at rehearsal, I think it was tech, maybe. And he was like, so what are you doing this summer? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Um, I don't have anything yet. And he goes, I'm doing Gypsy at the Muni with Beth. And I was like, oh my God, do you have a Louise? I want to I do it so bad. And he goes, oh yeah, we already have someone. And then that someone fell through and I got to audition for it. And then I ended up going right from this off-Broadway show with this man who I've just loved so much into him playing Herbie with his partner, the magnificent bed level playing Mama Rose and me playing Louise. I felt like I was dreaming the whole Living time. The dream. Yeah. Truly. And, you know, it's, I hope everybody who has an opportunity to work at the Muni has to work at the Muni because not only is it a beautiful family, it is run like a well-oiled machine. 
it, they know what they're doing. You know, you can trust them. And even though you only have 11 days to put the show together from start to finish, and in my case- Which is crazy. Oh, yeah. Which is crazy, 11 days, and it's not, and the Muni has a great reputation. Like Their shows are known to be like Broadway level, Truly. like touring level. And 11 days to put on a performance from start to finish is insane. And they do it constantly. Oh, yeah. It's not like a one-time thing. They, that's how they run their shows, which is crazy. When you're me. in rehearsal, a show is performing. And then when you're performing, another show's in rehearsal. So it's just like they, they pack in so much talent, so much energy into a very short summer season. And mm -hmm. that's, that's the reason why people come back year after year. But yeah, it was truly um, a dream, a dream come true. And I will never, ever forget how it felt to sing, to do, I mean, you know, Gypsy, the last like 25 <laughs> minutes are really when Louise gets to kind of take center stage shine, and shine. Yeah. And I just, I still like, I still get chills when I think about it. It was a dream, truly. And, you know, so many people have their dream roles, but for you to achieve it so like early on and so like magic, like it's really one of those things where you know it was meant to be mm -hmm. because it was originally cast and then that fell through. So it's really one of those things. And you had like your friends playing roles opposite you. Yeah. Like, like that's when you really say like, like this was meant to happen. Like this was written in my destiny. Oh, yes, that's how I feel. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. So final question now, do you have any advice for anyone who wants to be in the performing arts industry in the future? She's like, yes. Yes, yes I, I do. do. I think there's nothing more important than being nice and easy to work with. You know, you could hear advice all day about how to make you make yourself belt higher, how to cry on cue, whatever. None of that matters if you're not a nice person. And if you're not collaborative, if you can't, you need to be able to take a note and with a smile, you know, like it, it really, there is, it is invaluable to be someone who people want to work with. And I strive every day to be that. And I think the key to, I'll use Beth Level as an example. She has a Tony award. She is highly praised magnificent diva oh, yeah. and i don't use diva in the way i mean like a broadway dame a diva of the stage yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she is the most down-to-earth kind loving collaborative person i've ever worked with and so i look to people who are ahead of me in their careers and i try to mm -hmm. follow in the footsteps of those who i admire and to learn from people who maybe I'm not, you know, um, who I wouldn't want to be. So I really try to be loving and kind and, and come from a place of teamwork because even when the show is on your shoulders, you're still on a team and you're not alone. And for mm -hmm. anyone to think that it's all about mm -hmm. them, you're already off to a bad start. You got to be nice. <laughs> gotta be kind yeah and that that's true in anything in life you can't think you're better than anyone at anything oh, amen yeah yeah and while you said having the highest belt or being able to cry on cue isn't important 
If you want to do it, head over to broadwayplus.com slash artist slash Julia and I tell where you can book your own coaching session yes. with Julia personally. <laughs> I can't say I'll teach you how to cry on cue, but we'll work on it. <laughs> well, you'll work on it. So thank you so much for joining me today, Julia. Thank you. It's been a blast. Yeah, I really, I had fun. Me too. <laughs> and thank you to everyone who tuned in. Look out for future episodes airing every Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Stay safe, everyone. Bye.